0: Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This concludes the series, Jesus at the Center of the Church, with a message titled, The Model Church. In the first chapter of First Thessalonians, Paul characterizes the Church of Thessalonica as an exemplary church, characterized by its dedication to both word and power. After the message on this podcast, we'll share news about our 30-year anniversary celebration coming up on Sunday, October the 8th. Here's Senior Pastor Brian Jones with today's message. Well, good morning to you. How are
1: you? Well, good. Come on. I love it. Uh, We are continuing in a series, uh, Jesus at the center of the church. And so we have run out of officially bad churches to look at. And so we are looking at a different church today, what is titled a model church or an example church. And we're going to be looking at a church that really is called the model. It is a vision for what church should be. Now, uh, I grew up in church. Uh, I attended church most of my life. My parents brought me to church. But if you're anything like me, I grew up and when I saw the church for a big portion of my life, and maybe you're there, maybe you're there now, I found myself disillusioned and disappointed with the church. I found myself disinterested. In fact, one of the reasons I found myself disinterested is People would show up on Sunday, and they were all in on Sunday. But it felt like that no one had a vision of Jesus that would carry on throughout the week. And so Jesus was really only big enough for a Sunday worship service. And so people would go about their everyday lives. And I never really saw somebody all in for Jesus. In addition to that, I, if I'm honest, I felt like when I first started attending church, it was boring. And I felt like God was boring. And I remember this one experience that I had where I was in a youth group. I was about 10 or 11 years old. And they got a balloon and they put shaving cream on the balloon and then they proceeded to talk about how God wants to shave the sin off of our lives. And I just remember like for five minutes as a 10-year-old, I got a lesson on how to shave. And I'm just thinking, I don't even have facial hair. Like this is just not connecting with me at all. And just the God who wants to shave sin off my life was not compelling. It was not interesting. It was certainly something I'm not going to give my whole life to. And and then I I got around churches and it was always like I would hear more about what the church was against than what it was for. And so for most of my life, I knew what you weren't supposed to do, but I really didn't understand what you were supposed to do with your life. What do you do? How do you follow Jesus? What does Jesus actually care about? And so I remember after this, I went to a camp where everything changed for me. And, And I was at this camp for a really spiritual reason. An attractive high school girl invited me. And I just remember I was at this camp and this preacher began to talk about the kingdom of God in a way that I'd never heard before. And it was like, at that service, God just hijacked my life. And I got a vision for the church, a vision for the kingdom of God. And I remember reading this book after I became a Christian and just reading stories in Acts 2. And all I wanted to do was just spend time telling people about Jesus. I would, I would read Acts 2 with the sense of wonder. And I was like, why, why haven't people talked about what Jesus is doing? The miracles, the, the Acts 2 church. I, I remember I, I was, when I became a Christian, that thing called AOL, instant messenger, was a big thing. And uh, I used to get, because I wanted anybody and everybody to wake up to this vision. I remember I would get in chat rooms, atheist chat rooms, I would get in there. And I remember just, just you know, on one atheist chat room, I put on there, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And then I heard that little AIM ding thing that went... Meep. And then I just saw this one word, die. (laughs) And I just proceeded to type away, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he stood the test. I mean, I would speak to anybody and everybody with a pulse about Jesus because all of a sudden I was no longer disillusioned or disappointed or disinterested. I had a vision of Jesus that had captured my heart and imagination. I ask you this morning, do you have a picture of Jesus that captures your heart and imagination? Because I'll say this to you, the picture that you have of Jesus will determine your entire life. If he's too small, if he's boring or dull, if it's just a picture of what Jesus is against, you will never go all in. But if you have a picture of Jesus where you understand what his kingdom about and what the church is about, it will captivate you in new and fresh ways. So if you're disappointed, you're disillusioned, or if you're just wondering, what are we supposed to be about? Why do we gather on Sunday? What's a picture of the church? Then I think you've come on a, a great weekend because we're gonna be looking at this model church. This church that is actually referred to as the example or the model of what we should be doing as the body of Christ, as the church and the picture of that. Now before I give you this picture of this model church and why it was a model church, I want to give you a little bit of background on the city of Thessalonica and the church that was planted there. Now the, the city of Thessalonica was actually named after Alexander the Great's half sister Thessalonike and uh, it was the second largest city in Greece at the time. It was very populated. Uh, It was a port city. It was popular. You can see a picture of modern-day Thessalonica. And so a lot of people, it's still a very popular tourist attraction. Um, As a result of that, one thing I want to show you as well is that you'll see right here, um, this was actually a road called the Ignatian Road. And this ran all of the way through Rome, through Macedonia. In fact, you'll see Thessalonica, if you can see, is actually right in the center there. And so uh, as a result of this road, interesting enough, Rome had built 50,000 miles of road. And so uh, as a result of this road, tons of people would stop in Thessaloniki, people were becoming uh, from the different areas it was transplants it was people from out of state out of town that were settling in this southern state you had people moving again from all areas they were transplants people from New York people from California people from the Midwest and as a result of that there were limited houses that were available and then the houses began to skyrocket in price (laughs) totally hypothetical of course (laughs) That, that was supposed to be funny and you guys didn't find it funny at all. Tough audience. Well, if you are from, I should say this. If you I forgot to say this in the last service. If you are from New York, we love you. If you are from the Midwest, we love you. We are thrilled you are here. Yes, indeed. But uh, I just had to give you a hard time because I am out of towner as well. Now, uh, it, one of the things that happened as a result of this road... Uh, there were people that were just populating this place. And so you had all these different beliefs, all these different religions that were coming in. And uh, if you're studying, one of the things that you can write down in your program is Paul actually planted the church of Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17. And after he planted this church, because of all the people that were coming in, the different religions, the different beliefs, uh, people were resistant to what Paul was doing. And so Paul was actually kicked out of the city for fear of his life. And so he sends Timothy and Silas to get a progress report on the church to see what was happening. And so 1 Thessalonians is actually Paul's encouragement to the people of Thessalonica, to the church. Because he gets a glowing report that this church has not shrank back. That they've been faithful that even though they were part of a sexually perverse culture, a culture with different gods and idols, that the church had been faithful. So Paul was overwhelmed when he receives this report and so this is what he says to them to encourage them in in verses two and three. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly as we pray to our God and Father about you. We think of your faithful work, your loving deeds and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say this. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord as a result, notice this, as a result, you have become an example to all believers in Greece and throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to all people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how many turned away from idols to serve the living and the true God. Now notice it says that you've become an example. I like how the NIV says it. It says that that you are a model, that this is a model church. Think about it, when you become a Christian, or at least when I became a Christian, there are people that when I was a new Christian, and even now, there are people that I try to emulate their faith. There are people that are a few steps ahead of me that I model, that are examples for me. I think about the fact when I first accepted Jesus after that camp, there was a man named John Tyson. And he sat with me in a Starbucks and he taught me how to pray. He taught me how to hear from God. He taught me how to uh, read the word of God. He taught me how to share my faith. And he sat with me. He was an example. He was a model. I think about even at my previous church, there was a, a man named Carl Couch who sat with me and taught me about the nearness of God and how to grieve and how to walk through painful scenarios in my life because most of the time, I just tried to escape the pain instead of becoming transformed in it. I even think about Perry, who is our founding pastor here that several years ago, I was just talking about some of my disillusionment even with the church and how he just was someone who modeled and became an example for me. And most people will say that that we have someone in our lives, whether it's business or career, parenting, that is a model and an example. So this is a pretty big compliment. If Paul is gonna say this is a model church with all the other churches around. This is a church that we should take notice of If Paul is saying, this is something that is an example to all of us. Now, I don't know if you noticed this. Do you ever notice how many denominations there are out there? Just how exhausting it is sometimes with all the denominations and everyone claiming this is the right model. This is the way you should do things. I love what John Ortberg said in one of his books about denominations. He said this, even among Christians, there have been thousands of denominational variations and movements. And every one of them thinks they are right. I grew up in a Baptist church and we look forward to the day when we'd be in heaven and there'd be no more divisions. Some Lutherans would be there, represented by Martin Luther. Methodists would be there, represented by John Wesley. Some Catholics would be there, represented by the Pope. And we Baptists would be there, represented by Jesus. And I love that because every denomination talks about it being the model, it being the way. And the truth is, uh, if you've grown up in churches your whole life, this might be shocking, it might not. Do you know there are no denomination or mentions in the Bible? And the reason I say that is our loyalty, our model has to be the word of God above anything and everything else. It can't just be a denomination. In fact, if people ask me, what denomination is Brookwood? One of the things that I'd love to answer is this way. We are a First Thessalonians 1-5 church. And you go, well, what does that mean? And this is what it means. Listen to what Paul says, Why this church, the vision for this church being a model church, he explains in verses 4 and 5. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For we brought you the good news, and the good news was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. And so a 1 Thessalonians 1-5 church is a church that is built on both the word and the power. The NIV says it like this, the gospel goes forth in the word of God and the power of God. See, see, my longing for Brookwood is that Brookwood would be a church that has built its foundations first and foremost on the word of God, the truth of God. But it would also be a church that is built on the power of God, the spirit of God at work. And you think about this, if this church was shaking the foundations of the earth, if these Christians had only been a Christian for several months and it was garnering the attention of heaven and other people, there's something about this church that is worth modeling. And so let me just say this, uh, and I already mentioned this, if we're going to have a church where Jesus is at the center and it is a model church, uh, a vision for a church would be this. First, that it is built on the word of God. That's the first thing. A model church with Jesus at the center is built on the word. And you go, well, what does the word mean? What are we talking about? Well, it's the Bible, it's doctrine, it's theology, it's creeds, it's wisdom, it's knowledge, it's discipleship. It's trainings and classes. It's truth. And, and I want more of this. I want more people learning the truth of God so that they don't fall away from their faith or get swept up in false beliefs. Like in this room, how many of you have some scenario in your life that you just need wisdom from? How many have something that you're facing and you go, if God would just speak to me on this, it would be great. Quite a few of you. Well, I want to encourage you, this book has the answers. It really does. Do you know what does not have the answers? Google. And I say this all the time, but Facebook is like the seventh layer of hell. And you know, I've never had anybody that just goes, you know what, my soul's enriched. I just have such a deep hope for humanity. And then you go, well, what happened? I just spent all day on Facebook. It's just the hope, the belief, the kindness, it's just transparent. But you know what I will say? You can spend all day on social media, get discouraged, but isn't it funny? You can spend 30 minutes in the word of God. You can spend 30 minutes. And if you spend 30 minutes actually being present, what you find is that when you walked in one way, you walked out different because there was just a sense of peace and rest. Imagine a church that is filled with people who aren't just doing activities, but are filled with the mind of God, the heart of God, that have the truth of God so that they don't get swept up. One of the things that breaks my heart is that people often will come to me and it's like all of a sudden they were here following Jesus and next thing, they've completely renounced their faith. They're, de- they're deconstructing on something. And I ask them what happened and no joke, it's something like they watched a 15 minute YouTube video that caused them to question everything. They talk to a person who all of a sudden started denying their faith and it's got them questioning everything. And I'm just telling you, if you have a church that knows the word of God, you won't be swept up with every emotional current or every new cultural thing that's going on. Imagine a church where the word of God is strong and it can withstand all the problems we face. The Bible says that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet. Which means as you walk in dark and difficult times and you don't know where to go, the Bible says it will illuminate your path. And so as you start to read the Bible, spend time getting your roots deep in God, what he will be is he will be faithful to speak and guide and direct. And so for a church to be a model church with Jesus as the center, it has to be a church that is built upon the word of God. That's why it says this in John chapter 8, verse 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. free. It's exactly what I was mentioning. There are a lot of mornings when I wake up. I don't know if you wake up like this. Sometimes you ever wake up and you're just stressed, like you're eating and you're tense. And yet there is something about it when I actually spend time reading the Bible, when I spend time in truth, it's like all of a sudden my body posture even changes because there's a freedom that the word of God brings. When your life is built upon that, you don't have to know all of the future because you know the one who holds the future. And you have a sense of freedom that you find in the midst of that. Colossians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 says this, in him, and that him is Jesus, It says, in him, Jesus, lie hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. So we must be people that know the word of God. But I want to say this. You can know the word of God and not be transformed by it. You can know the word of God and not be transformed by it. I'll just give you this thought to think on. I would contend that the devil will know some of the Bible, more of the Bible than almost any of us around. And yet he wasn't transformed by it. So it's not enough just to read the word of God. What you need is you need the Holy Spirit. You need the power of God to illuminate these truths in your life. You need the power of God to wake you up and give you a vision that will capture your heart and imagination. You you know, and I've said this before, but it's like when the spirit is working, you don't just read the Bible, the Bible reads you. And so what happens is you start to read and the spirit of God begins to speak and guide and direct. And so for us to be a model church, we do have to base it on the word of God, but it also has to be built on the power of God. And when I say power, I want you to think of the Holy Spirit. This is miracles. It's signs. It's wonders. It's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's the supernatural. And I want more of this. I want encounters with God that would cause people to go deeper in their faith and their belief. I long for people to have an encounter with God that would cause the cynicism and secularism in the world to shut down because people can't deny God's at work. And so the thing that I wanna say is you and I cannot transform ourselves. You cannot transform yourself or other people, but the spirit of God can and he is faithful to do that. That's why Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration, a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I love this 1 Corinthians 4:20 for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. I want you to imagine for a moment a church filled up with people who know the word of God, but people who don't have self-confidence, they have spirit confidence. Like I don't have a whole lot of confidence in what I can do always, but I have so much confidence in what the God of the universe can do. I just have confidence every morning when I wake up that God is faithful. If he can raise and conquer the grave, then he can speak a word that could change my destiny. And so when you start to get the spirit of God, you start to go, anything's possible. You don't just read this book as history, you read it as present possibility. And so, come on, I like that, come on. And if you're anything like me, for years in my life and faith, I just looked at this like it was a history book. This is not a history book. This is a roadmap to what the spirit of God does when it gets hold of people's lives. And so that's the power of God at work when you start to see that. But for us to have a vision of this, we've got to be a church that is built on the word of God and the power of God. Now, how do you get a church that is built on the word of God and the power of God? Well, you need individuals. You need people that have built their lives on the word of God and the power of God. And the truth is, you and I don't get to pick. The invitation is, you need both of these things. It is both pedals on a bicycle. You ever try to pedal a bicycle on one side? Doesn't work. An airplane... No one's ever asked you the question, hey, what's your favorite wing? The right wing or the left wing? Why? Because everyone knows that's a ridiculous question. It takes both wings of an airplane to fly. And yet, if you're not careful, isn't it true that some pe- people will use different verbiage, but it's almost like I'm more of a Bible person or I'm more of a spirit person. And, and there's a danger in that thinking because you and I don't get to pick and choose. If we want to be a model church where Jesus is at the center and the center of our lives, we have to be both. We have to be a church where we know the word of God, but we believe in a supernatural sort of way that God can and it is at work in radical ways. And, and you've seen this, I've seen this. There are churches that bend so much to one side or the other. So what happens is you have churches that just know the Bible in and out. They, they know more knowledge and, and more discipleship and more doctrine than many people will know, but if you've been around certain churches like this, it's sleepy, it's dead. And every once in a while, God will touch down and people will go, see, see, he's at working and and this is the right model. Or I've seen churches and people on the other side where it's like we get so caught up in the experiences and the supernatural that sometimes we don't allow the roots of faith to go deep. We, We struggle with discipline or if we're not careful, what happens is sometimes we can fall in love more with the products of God than the presence of God. Sometimes you can fall in love more with the blessings of God than actually the blesser. See, you don't go to God to get things. You go to God to get God. And so if you're not careful, what happens is in the supernatural realm, you just go to get all these experiences versus just being and delighting and knowing Jesus and knowing that if you have him, you really do have everything. So we have to be a church that is built on both the word of God and the power of God or we will be incomplete. It's two pedals on a bicycle. It is two wings on an airplane. It is an invitation to be a model church in that kind of way. Now, again, how do you get this model church? Is you have to have individuals or people who have built their lives on the word of God or the power of God. So as I've been speaking, some of you, you know what side you fall to. Some of you would say, hey, I probably uh, balance out a little bit more in the middle. Some of you would go, hey, I don't know where I fall. But let me just show you this real quick. I want you to think about where it is that you might fall on this word and power side. And the invitation is, is that if you're a word person, you would add to that a sensitivity to the spirit. And if you're a power person, that you would add a discipline and a time with God where you would start to dive deep in the truths of God that would transform you. Now, this is stereotypic, uh, what I'm about to say. Again, it's stereotypically not true of everybody. But I find as I get around people, there are some more, more than not common things that are true of word people. More often than not, word people are usually introverted over extroverted. They have a mindset with their head over their heart, meaning they typically think through things versus feeling things at the same level, and they love structure over spontaneity. Uh, More often than not, the power people that I have known, people who tend especially to fall to sort of an extreme side, would be more extroverted over introverted. They tend to think things with their heart over their head and they like spontaneity over structure now it's important to note some of the way you fall could be based on your wiring but it's also true that some of the way you fall could be based on your experiences because if you've grown up in a fundamental or legalistic church that you saw some of the abuses you might go you know what I don't want anything to do with that because I just saw it abused and so you almost move to the opposite side In fact, I was talking to someone who was on our staff and he grew up in a charismatic church where they were told every time needs to be some dynamic supernatural moment. If you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't hearing from God. And he saw the abuses of the power side. And so in essence, he moved more towards this word side. And so sometimes it can be based on your experiences. Now, let me encourage you with this. You know, people will often say that, you know, like, are you a truth person or are you a grace person? And so uh, oftentimes when when I was talking with people, they would would talk about their wiring and their personality and they'd be like, well, I'm more of a truth person. And sometimes people would use that as sort of an excuse to be really abrasive and not kind. I know that's none of you out there at all. Or other times people would be like, well, I'm more of a grace person. And honestly, it was done in such a way that they didn't want to speak up and be bold. But you know, it's funny, my wife has always been a grace person. She's always been a grace person. But I've watched as, as she's continued to be a grace person, but she's growing in this truth side. In fact, the other day, we were at a place that I hope I don't have to visit uh, very frequently again. We were at Floor and Decor. And we spent a lot of time there. And we were picking out different tiles. And I remember, I remember I just grabbed one of these tiles and I said, I like this, what do you think? And without hesitation, she looks at me and she goes, that's awful. <laughs> she goes, I don't like it at all. And I was thinking, tell me what you really feel, woman. You know, it's just... But what's funny is I walked away from that moment and I wasn't even remotely phased by that. Now part of that is we have a good relationship, but part of the reason I wasn't phased by that is this. She wasn't someone who just is all truth. She's someone who in my life has been the most grace-oriented person I know, but she is also growing in her truth. The reason that I tell you this is oftentimes when we speak about word and power, truth and grace, people unknowingly give you terrible advice. And what they say is if you're a truth person, you need to sort of move it over in the middle, which is not compelling at all. God is not calling you to be less grace-oriented if you're on the grace side. If you're a truth person, God's not telling you to be less truthful. He's just telling you to add to your truth grace. And if you're a grace person, add to your your sort of arsenal uh, truth in that sense. And so when I show you this, what I'm saying is if you're a word person, this might be the most important thing I'm telling you. Don't think that I'm trying to get you to be less word. In fact, for our church to reach its full potential, if you would go, I tend to be more of a word person, we need you to help build a foundation for our church. We don't need you to water down or dilute your passion for the word. We just need you to add to it a sensitivity to the spirit, a belief in the supernatural. And if you're a power person that just goes, for whatever reason, I just believe that God can do anything. I just have this gift of faith and prayer We don't need you to water that down. We need you to lead our church in that. We just also need you to have a discipline, a sensitivity to take your roots deep in Jesus in the midst of this. And so let me just give you uh, one thing that will be a challenge. Once you notice where you are, As a word or power person, let me just give you one thing that I think will be helpful uh, as you start to identify where you are in a word or power situation. First, if you're a word person and you go, you know, I just know I love reading the Bible, I love spending time, I love structure, I love all this. One of your challenges will be knowledge over union. Knowledge versus union. What I mean by that is if you're not careful, sometimes you can fill your schedule with so many Bible studies and so many desires to learn new things I'll hear people go, I just want you to step on my toes with something new or challenging. And that's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the end goal is not just a bunch of knowledge or a bunch of thoughts. It is union with Jesus. It is possible to read the Bible and not actually just delight in Jesus. If you're anything like me, sometimes even following God can can become something I just sort of check off a box to get done. And so the end goal is not to check off a box. The end goal is not to learn something new. It's to learn to delight in Jesus. Mark Taylor, who's our discipleship pastor, we were talking about this phrase that's been stirring in my mind, but we were just talking about what does it look like to waste time in Jesus' presence? Just to waste time in Jesus' presence. I've never gone to a lunch and as soon as I've sat down, just looked at my watch and said, 30 minutes, go. And you'd be pretty offended if I did that. But yet I do that with God all the time. Here's 15 minutes. Here's 15 minutes. And I'm learning just to delight in the idea that maybe part of my calling as well is just to waste time in his presence to sit with him. To not just do a Bible study or to check a box or to get some new captivating thought or even come to church and hear something new that's gonna stretch me. Just learn to delight in Jesus. Learn to waste time in his presence. So knowledge versus union can be a challenge. But the other thing is this, if you're a power person, then your challenge is probably gonna be a little bit different. It's going to be the extraordinary moments versus the ordinary moments of life. The extraordinary moments versus the ordinary moments of life. In fact, I was reading this this morning, Mark chapter 9. There's this moment where Jesus has what's referred to as the transfiguration. The glory of God falls on him. He has three disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. And they say to him as he's just in this moment of pure glory, they say, do you want us to build a tent? Translation, we're not leaving the mountaintop. We're on we're on the experience. We've seen it all. We don't want to go down in the valley. And the problem is the kingdom of God is extraordinary, but oftentimes it is ordinary. Oftentimes it's things we don't always love. It is washing the disciples' feet. It is quiet listening. It is behind the scenes service. It is wrangling your children and just trying to breathe and be patient. It's just listening. It's forcing your mind to think on what you read and read the same sentence three times through because your mind is a million different places. It's going on a walk, taking the, the, the dog on a walk and just trying to be present with God. It's oftentimes very extraordinary and it's oftentimes very ordinary. And so the invitation for us is not just to think that God is only in the extraordinary moments, but to live in the day-to-day faithfulness in some ways the mundane. And so that is the invitation for us as we look at that. Now, let me just give you this as I sort of close out this part right here. If you're a word person, here's what I would ask you to pray today. In fact, if you get nothing else from this talk, I just ask you if you're a word person, you identify this, I would just ask that you pray that God would give you a spirit and a a sense of mystery and belief. A sense of mystery and belief. I love what Isaiah 55, verse 9 says. It says, So are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. The truth is, sometimes we struggle with this because we wanna explain God away, but God is not a God you can simply put in your pocket. There has to be a mystery that causes you to approach God and have a sense of being okay with that. But also, I I want you to pray just for a belief in the supernatural. You know, there was a a prayer meeting I was at and and I knew these two people really well. One guy was about extreme powers I've ever seen And the other guy was about as extreme word as I've ever seen, and the power guy was leading the prayer meeting. And I just confess to you, I spent a very little time praying because I was just watching the word guy to see how uncomfortable he was when the power guy was talking about seeing visions and all these encounters with the spirit. And I could just see him cringing. And so, as soon as the prayer meeting was over, I went in that guy's office. I said, "Tell me what you think." And I'll never forget what he said. He said, "I struggled through most of it, but I prayed this one prayer." God, I don't always believe. Help me believe you can do anything. God, I don't always believe. Help me believe you can do anything. Can I just encourage you? I just want to say this very sincerely, that Jesus was not able to perform certain miracles in his hometown because there was a lack of belief. There was unbelief. I really believe that if there is a spirit of unbelief then that will limit some of the ways God will pour out his power. So if you're a word person, I'm just asking you to pray with a sincere spirit. God, help me to have a comfortability, a belief in the supernatural. And watch what he does in your life if you're faithful to do that. The other thing I'd say is if you're a power person, this will not be attractive to you. But if you're a power person, two words that you do not want to hear discipline and patience. Discipline and patience. You know, oftentimes power people, if you're not careful, you just want all these great moments. You want to to get the feelings and the experiences and all these things. But oftentimes it's just disciplining yourself. It's waking up, fighting to be present. It's disciplining yourself over and over again. One of the things I love about power people is you will start praying and you're going, God, I want to see revival. I want to see awakening. I want to see a move of your spirit. And I want to see it by this time next week. (laughs) Because you don't have a sense of patience. And I love that about you. But can I just encourage you, I really believe this might be from God for some of you. Some of you, you've you been praying for something and you haven't seen it move into fruition. And so as a result of that, what the enemy's done, he's caused you to question your faith or question if God is hearing you. And I just want to encourage you, be patient, don't give up. I was thinking about this, the, the walls of Jericho. Remember when God gives these folks, the Israelites, this call to march around the city walls. We read that story and we know the outcome. But imagine if you're watching and you're marching. Literally, God's call was a marching band around a city. And imagine day three when the enemy's going, you guys are, this is it? Nothing's happening. Day four, do you think the Israelites were going, oh, yeah, this is great. I, I think they were questioned. do we really hear from God? Day five, more jeering, more people making fun of. And you just go, what would have happened on day four if they would have quit? They'd have missed the miracle. I'm just telling you, you might have someone who's far from God. You might be praying for a breakthrough in your life. Don't give up. It might be day four, it might be month four, it might be year four, but I'm telling you breakthrough is coming if you stay faithful to God because my confidence is not in myself or even in this church. It's the spirit of God. And he is faithful, faithful, faithful if you stay the course. So can I just encourage you that that let's be people who have patience. Patience. As we close, let me just encourage you with this. I really do think when I I visited Brookwood for the first time, I noticed this was a church that was built on the word of God. I noticed that Perry and the pastors here were preaching the word of God. There was a hunger, but I also noticed there was a spirit sensitivity. People longed to see God move. There was a a spirit of worship in here. And and I believe that this church has a head start, but I just believe, and I don't know if you do, but I believe that, that God wants to do more. Do you believe that? And I believe that God wants to do more in your life. Let me just close and encourage you with this. I believe that God wants more for you than even you do. And listen, some of you want a whole lot for yourself. But I believe God wants more for you in your faith than you do. I believe God wants more for Brookwood than we do. And you go, well, how do you know that? What makes you think that? And the reason I think that is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power, is at work within us to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen let me close with this quote it's from Leonard Ravenhill he says this you say America needs God no it doesn't the church needs God if the church gets God America would soon feel it so if we're going to be a church that is built on the word of God and the power of God. I really believe that people around us, Greenville, Simpsonville, that the nations will fill it. So let's be a church that is based on that. Let me pray for us. As always, as we close, if there is anything you need prayer for, we have a group of people that, prayer counselors that come prayed up, they'd love to uh, anoint you with oil for healing if that's what you need. If you have a family member or a loved one that you need prayer for, if there's something in your life you need prayer for, you can always come down here. We'd love to pray for you, but let me just close out our time together. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you. That that your mercies are new each and every day. We pray, we just pray that Brookwood would continue to be a church that is built on the word of God, the truth of God, but also the spirit and the power of God. God, we thank you that you are the one who's going to build your church and the gates of hell will not stand. So we just ask you, God, would you ignite a passion and a life in us? Would you help us to believe that more is possible, not because of our strength or our skills, but because your spirit is what we trust god to do the transformation so we love you we thank you for the gift of today we thank you for your word and it is in your amazing mighty wonderful name we pray everyone agreed and said amen blessings
0: come join us in celebrating 30 years of god's faithfulness on sunday october the 8th we'll have activities after both the 9 a.m and 11 a.m services We'll be reminiscing about our past and eagerly anticipating our future. Please note that your usual parking space may be unavailable due to event preparations. Once the services conclude, join us in the West parking lot for some fun and food. We'll have organized games, inflatables, and offering complimentary chicken and barbecue pork. Don't forget to bring a blanket or some chairs. The celebration concludes at 1.30 in the amphitheater with a baptism and worship. Here's this week's memory verse. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse five. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit also gave you full assurance that what he said was true. We're grateful you joined us for the Brookwood Church Sunday message podcast. Please leave a review so that others can discover how they can have a transformed life in Christ. Thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you during our next episode.